0: Welcome to the Datebook Podcast. I'm your host, theater critic Lily Janik. As a critic, I'm used to getting the occasional reader response to my reviews. But when I gave SHN's production of Miss Saigon an empty chair review, I got a flood of strongly worded notes from both extremes of the spectrum. Both, thanks for calling this racist show what it is, and, but it's a beautiful show, how can you say that? That polarized response made me want to dig more deeply into a question I brought up in my review, which is when is a work of art so problematic that we shouldn't produce it anymore? To discuss that question, I've invited two local Asian American theater directors, Jeffrey Lowe and Nikki Menez, to join me. Jeffrey, the casting director at Theaterworks, just finished directing Noises Off at Hillbarn Theater. Up next, he's directing Between Riverside and Crazy at San Jose Stage Company, which opens November 21st, and The Santaland Diaries at TheaterWorks, which opens December 4th. Nikki is the program manager of the Youth Aware Educational Theater Program at New Conservatory Theater Center. In addition to directing, she's also a choreographer. Coming up, she's directing In the Heights at Custom-Made Theater Company beginning performances November 8th. Before we bring them in, Some background on Miss Saigon. The 1989 Aline Bobille and Claude Michel Schoenberg musical adapts the opera Madame Butterfly to the Vietnam War. Kim is a Vietnamese villager whose home and family are destroyed in the war, so she heads to Saigon and takes the first work she can find slash gets forced into as a prostitute. Chris, an American GI, falls for her in her brothel, Dreamland, He says he'll take her back to America, but they get separated, and he leaves without her. He starts a new life, getting married to Ellen, a white lady back in the U.S. Kim bears Chris's child. Years later, he heads back to Vietnam, new wife in tow. Kim, still in love with Chris, is expecting she'll marry him. When she finds out about his new wife, she asks if they'll at least take her son, Tam, back to America. When they say they'll only offer financial support, Kim kills herself and then the white couple agrees to take the boy. Now that the Cliff Notes are out of the way, let's introduce our guests. So welcome Nikki.
1: Hi, thanks Lily.
0: And welcome Jeffrey. Hello. You guys each had uh, kind of a a really interesting personal history with this musical. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd love to hear each of them and it sounds. sounds like they each uh, involve older family members of yours Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. so for me the funny thing is actually I've only seen Miss Saigon once um, and I was was fairly unfamiliar with it I mean I was familiar I knew what it was I um, but my entire perception of what Miss Saigon was was it was the show that set off Leia salonga's career mm-hmm. and as a filipino american person like that was just what it was mm-hmm. so so without looking into what the piece was because i didn't have a huge interest in it otherwise um i kind of my understanding of it was all positive because because leah mm-hmm. was a part of it you mm-hmm. know
0: and for non-filipino listeners what is the significance of
1: leia salonga like what does her career mean mm.
2: Do you want to jump on that?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, for a Filipino and Filipino American culture, um, um, celebrities and icon, like pop icons, are such an important part of the way that we see ourselves reflected, um, and um, it's why you know um, Leah Salonga and Manny Pacquiao are such big big deals to us, um, and especially when they translate over to, uh, American pop culture in the way that Lea Salonga does with Broadway. Um, so when she was, I believe, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on whether, um, Miss Saigon was before or after Les Mis when she was Eponine, but, um,
2: I believe it was before, because she Mm -hmm. was pretty... She was an unknown when they... Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so she was, like, 17. Yeah. Yeah. So this being the catalyst for her career, um, I mean, playing an Asian-American role and being a Filipina um, was so... It it was um, kind of explosive, especially in our parents' generation of Filipino.
2: And it's an interesting sort of part of the Filipino culture, sort of the pop culture icons, where, you know, you'll see the same thing in a contemporary way with, with like Bruno Mars. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've, I've gone to a couple of Bruno Mars concerts and boy, the middle-aged Filipino female <laughs> contingent is there in en mass. Yes, and,
0: and uh, what's what's the vibe? What's the vibe?
2: Oh, they're just having a great time.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
2: they're having the best time. It's like right a, it's like a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're like like they're all on their feet, and it's, it's just huge. It's huge. But and I don't know what it, why it is or what it is, but I think it's it's a, a large part about as Nikki was saying, pop culture both within the country and also when the Philippines was colonized by america they the filipino representation in america for whatever reason is something that is a huge deal to, mm-hmm. to the community mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm.
0: for each of your families the show you were writing to me in an email just about like seeing it um, mm-hmm. and that that first time with your mom
2: yeah so so yeah because of that positive vibe around the show especially in the filipino-american community when a local theater company was doing the show my mom actually reached out to me and she's like hey i think there's a company doing miss saigon we we should go because every now and then i'll just take her to shows and it's kind of at the whim of what i'm interested in and and she just Mm -hmm. is along for the ride but for this particular show she reached out and I was about to go into rehearsals for a production of David Henry Wong's Yellow Face.
0: Oh my gosh, which, wow. Which has so like...
2: much, about mm-hmm. I mean, so much of it resol- revolves around Miss Saigon. And so there was a part of me that's like, yeah, I should go see this for help with the show. But also my mom wanted to see it, so I, I brought her along. And um, sort of what we were emailing about in the show was uh, on the ride home, I was taking my mom home, and I, I had really conflicted feelings about it, um, both with...
0: What year was this, by the way? About
2: I think it was two thousand fourteen or fifteen.
0: Okay. I can't and uh, which which company?
2: It was Broadway by the Bay. Okay. In Redwood City. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had these conflicted feelings about the story and the representation that the the story presented on stage, and also the mixed feelings that we all have with the show. A lot of my friends were on that stage, mm-hmm. um, performing the show, and but it was really interesting where I was sitting there, and after a little bit of the drive. I I just asked my mom what she thought of it, and she really loved it. She had a great time, and and she thought it was a really moving piece of theater. And then I I just asked her, um, because she's developed quite a a nice critical, uh, theater mind following um the work that I do. And I asked her, I'm like, were you not offended by any of this? I was. I felt really uncomfortable from the beginning of this this musical, and and it kind of just kept going, and. And her response was like, you know, that things like that do happen to people sometimes. A lot of people will make these remarkable and huge sacrifices and do things that defy logic to to come to America or to make sacrifices for their children, whether or not this is the way to go about it. Which is actually very much the response that David Henry Wong's father has to Miss Saigon in the play Yellow Face, which was really interesting because my mom hadn't been familiar with Yellow Face yet. And she had this response to it and then I found myself taking a step back because it I didn't really change my mind, but it made me take a step back because my mom did move here from, from the Philippines um, and she did take great sacrifices, not the same ones, like she's alive. Mm-hmm. one, uh, Not the same sacrifices, but she, she was a little closer or a lot closer, I should say, to the frame of mind being presented in, in the musical so a part of me had to take a step back and think, I, who am I to uh, disregard that opinion and that frame of mind? I, I can have a differing opinion, but it made me realize that I couldn't just blow off the musical the way I was really prepared to. But at the same time, although my mom has a closer cultural competency to that story, the writers certainly didn't. Mm-hmm. So that that's a problem that I have with it.
0: Tell us what you mean by by cultural competency, um, cul- and why the writers don't have it.
2: Yeah, like cultural <laughs> competency in that, like my my mother's personal exper- life experience as a, a an immigrant to America um, is is closer to, and and as someone who had to put herself in the frame of mind of the why and the how and the logistics of leaving. Her family and everything behind to come to a, another country to come to America. For, um, she she's closer in terms of life experience to knowing what what's her name Kim. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember uh, <laughs> what Kim what Kim was going through and what what Kim or the the Vietnamese um, folks that were portrayed in Miss Saigon are going through. And I don't know the exact background of the writers of Miss Saigon, but my understanding is it's not very close
1: they to are the background. Two Frenchmen.
2: Two Frenchmen. Great. Um, So so I don't think like, you know, I don't know exactly their life experience, but uh, one can assume that their um, life experience is further away from the cultural aspects of what they're writing about.
0: Right on. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Nikki, you and your mom also had Mm -hmm. kind of a journey with this show.
1: So um, as a. As someone who started as a performer, as a singer, actually, when I, I've been singing in church choir since I was five, and that's all my mother's doing. And then when I was about um, 11, 12, that's when my mom decided to put me into voice lessons. They were musical theater-oriented voice lessons, so of course the first thing I learned was most of Kim's songs from the Act One of Miss Saigon. And this my my voice teacher was also um, an asian American uh, female immigrant, so the fact that i 've been inundated with this narrative since before I could even be cognizant of theater as an art form is a big part of why why I feel so strongly about it, why I am where I am in terms of like being a director and being so focused on representation and sincerity when it comes to culturally specific stories and the struggle that I had to come back into performing arts after that experience Um, because, you know, this started me off at a really strange place in the way that I um, took in musical theater specifically. Like, Like how? Well, because... Um, Kind of what Jeffrey was saying about um, how his mother responded to Miss Saigon, Um, singing those songs without understanding the full context of the piece. I understand Kim. I know and I understand why um, particularly um, Asian and Asian American immigrants of like our mother's cohort, because I hear my mother in those songs, too. The way that she sacrificed um, for for me and the way that she continues to sacrifice for not only me but the family that she still supports back in the philippines it 's really ironic because i didn 't get to i didn't didn 't get to sit down with her about her actual thoughts on Miss Saigon because she is in the Philippines right now handling business with the family but um, because of the way that um, the Filipino culture well because because of our focus on Lea Salonga and in, in relation Miss Saigon as a piece of Asian-American, I suppose, in this context, Asian-American musical theater that was really the first of its kind that people um, could grasp onto, it created a lot of like emotional and intellectual dissonance even at that age. So it, I, I totally backed off from musical theater. I didn't go back into... Even thinking about performing until I was in undergrad of college when I started to learn that theater was much more than miss Igon
0: so at first you you say the the like larger story you weren't like aware of what what was it about the musical that finally hit you and like made you back off
1: well, because even though even though I understood where Kim was coming from and I was able to. See her in my mother, in my aunts, sometimes in my my uncles and my dad, too, when they talked about, you know, their histories of immigrating here and where they were coming from when when they immigrated from the Philippines. Not seeing myself in that story while understanding it because I was in the place of the child who didn't really have agency in the story it's not, it, I, I don't believe it's this way in Miss Agon, but um, in Madama Butterfly, which I actually did watch with my mother when I was younger, it's played by a puppet. So seeing that.
2: Wait, the, the Kim equivalent is played by a puppet? Oh,
1: sorry. The child? The, the child, oh, the in, child. The, in the opera. Oh, gosh.
2: I was about to have a moment. Okay.
1: Thanks. <laughs> right? Right. As you were.
2: <laughs>
1: so, yeah. I so I was able to see the full scope of the story from the opera point of view, and then understanding that Miss Saigon mirrored that narrative, I was, I m- maybe not in the in the way that I've developed as a person now, but I was very much like, oh nope 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 I'm out because it wasn't Cho Cho in Madama Butterfly, but and also Kim, um, while they made. They made the choice to kill themselves and sacrifice themselves for the men in their life. They made that choice out of love. They did it because they weren't allowed to have any other options.
0: Mm -hmm. And weren't allowed by who, I think is... They're white writers. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, one weird thing. Did either of you guys see the version? Uh, You said... You only saw the Broadway by the Bay version. Did yeah. you see the one at SHN? I did not.
2: Um, My some, mom wanted to though.
0: Something <laughs> weird that struck me was the the child in that production, and this is like no mark against that that kid's acting at all. But the role could have been a puppet. Mm. Mm-hmm. There was no life to the staging. She was like a sack of potatoes in mm-hmm. the way in the way it was staged, just like a thing to be passed mm. around. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I feel the same way about. Um, I I watched the mm, the YouTube uh, bootleg of the uh, the Manila production with Leah Salonga in it. Is exact same way with that child actor.
0: Let Let's talk about that question of, but what if it really was like this? What if it really, uh, what if there really were Vietnamese villagers who had this story? And what if there really were GIs who felt like uh, Chris felt? Uh, Because that's a question I've been getting from readers Mm -hmm. and from my own family um, Mm -hmm. when I try to talk about this show. I don't know if I always have the best response to that question. I think it's a really complicated
2: question. I I think... I think the answer is, um, or an answer is, I mean, there there probably were, mm-hmm. you know, there probably were folks, but I I think my my hesitancy with the show's material might have less to do with the synopsis of the story and more to do with the the depth in which they explore it. Mm-hmm. I I think I think the way they go about it is is much more problematic i think chris is that his name yep chris has he has like this this 12 o'clock number ballad about how in love with her he is in the first like 10 minutes of the show Mm -hmm. and in that structure of it he's is it why god why is that what the song is called and he's Mm -hmm. like you know he just met her and he's saying why god why i'm in love with this woman Mm -hmm. and the way it's presented it's like well maybe you've just never seen a vietnamese woman before and now you're you're lusting over someone and just feels very uncomfortable.
1: I feel bad. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. Um,
2: and I think for me, I you know, the the answer that many folks both close to the Vietnamese immigrants that might have this answer or non uh, Vietnamese immigrants that might have this answer, uh, people from a range of cultures that have this response, I think, yeah, th- there's, a, there's a high likelihood that there's folks like that, but it was I don't think Miss Saigon anymore is the the best vehicle to explore it and perhaps we should look in investing in new um perspectives and new artists to explore this subject matter it, it's sort of like you know we we refer to you know leia salonga and the fact that miss saigon was one of the few um pieces of its time to employ asian-american performers and tell an asian-american story or some an asian story really it's mm-hmm. vietnam if I hadn't had Filipino food for 30 years and some knockoff version of Filipino food was fed to me, I'm probably gonna have some sort of positive reaction to it.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel that.
2: But then there's also the point where maybe after 30 years, Filipino chef cooks it the way my mom or my dad cooked it. And there's like a difference there, right? There's mm-hmm. something more full about it as opposed to getting like the McDonald's version of what it is so I think there's a part of you know prior generations of folks that were so starved of having someone that looked like them on a stage or on a television screen or on the radio that they were going to take anything that they could get mm-hmm. um, but now you know the king and I tours all the time miss I gone tours all the time and and I'm not saying let's never do these shows again I have a sort of complicated thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. But I think that we we are starting to take these steps in, in many entertainment industries where we can have people reevaluate and re explore these stories that are very real and we can perhaps do it in a way that's better.
1: Yeah. And investing um maybe not an I have mixed feelings about remounting shows like this as well. But, like, also taking the time and the thought to invest in new works that are written for and by and also produced with um, Asian-American artists uh, in mind, like with Soft Power, which just came and closed at the current. It was so awesome. It was really good. I loved it. I wanted to see it again, but I didn't have time. Um, and uh, Viet Gone. So, being able to uh offer more to the Asian American community in terms of what they like to go along with uh Jeffrey's um analogy like create a fuller buffet of options um for uh, available for artistic consumption.
0: What exactly are some of the pernicious stereotypes we see in the musical?
1: One big thing I had just right off the bat, especially considering it's like the second scene, was um, when Kim is introduced to Dreamland brothel. I'm sure like, you know, villagers going to Saigon and uh, seeing sex work as their only option was definitely a truth that happened in the history of the fall of Saigon, but... The way that they interact with each other, and like the the stakes that they have in in the brothel. You guys
0: can't see this, but Jeffrey is nodding
1: vigorously, and I want, <laughs> and
0: I just want listeners to know.
1: Please continue. <laughs> yeah. Please continue. Um, the stakes and the integrity that they that in holding that space with each other, and then switching into business with the American GIs when they enter the club. Um, I think that it doesn't it doesn't really express that they're there to do a job and that it's, they, they are stories and histories as opposed to just feminized and fetishized bodies.
0: I'd like to sh- make sure I understand what you just said because I love that. Um, are you saying that, like, you, before the GIs even come in, you don't get a sense that these people are real people? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, like, even then, they're still, like,
1: I'm a playful like commodity for mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. okay and like you know that I, I mean I know a lot of people who do burlesque and cabaret and like folks who are near to that kind of work and like the fact that they well the majority of people the people I know who do that work are uh do, doing so because they're consenting to it and because they want to do the work um uh, but, like, the stakes of having to do the work yeah. in that context specifically aren't apparent.
0: Right on. And maybe even the one accept- possible, like, exception someone could say in response to that is the character of Gigi, who sings that song, uh, The Movie, In My Mind. Mm-hmm. What's so weird about that to me is she, like, never even comes back in the show.
1: hmm my feeling, the way that I take away that song, is that it was a flash of truth in the 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 sparkle and the fun house ness of mm-hmm. um, of Dreamland as as a place and as an environment at the start of the show. I, I feel like the writers probably thought they had quote unquote had to. Um, to make it more quote-unquote authentic but the fact that that's not a through line in the lives of all the sex workers they have in dreamland that that's not an ensemble number Mm -hmm. um, really gets to me
2: well similarly to what nikki was saying i was i was kind of most offended by or most uncomfortable with Chris was just so centralized and so um turned into this hero
1: yes for
2: to save this uh. Vietnamese woman <laughs> and um I don't know it just feels like there are so many places where in in the world not necessarily in the musical but so many places in the world where that seems to perpetuate itself and people seem to assume that truth and and watching it on stage in this this Older musicals just making me feel really strongly, and then you know, with with Chris being the hero of this story, the villain being the the mechanic, the engineer,
0: yeah, the mm. engineer, the engineer, mm-hmm.
2: that made me even more uncomfortable. Where I am like, oh, this this guy who you know, as I directed Yellowface was played by a, a white man initially. That, um,
1: uh, sorry, if I'm oh, kidding. go ahead. Um, that's actually really funny because I don't take away that the engineer is the antagonist. Mm. I take away that. Um, the cousin who is who Kim is supposed to be married off to who keeps coming back to her and then threatens her child and then he, as she kills him in, in order to save her child, I feel like he's the one who is portrayed as the antagonist. Oh,
2: absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I,
0: I got um, both of them, mm-hmm. but it's worth pointing out that the Vietnamese men are the antagonists. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if I could read a little excerpt from this essay by Deep Tran, who works at American Theater Magazine. The essay is called I Am Miss Saigon, and I Hate It. Mm -hmm. Um, She talks about coming from a family of Vietnamese immigrants. Um, So here we go. We are portrayed as primitive villagers, prostitutes, and pimps, as the self-hating engineer puts it, greasy chinks. The most damaging part is this. In Miss Saigon... Vietnam is a place not worth saving, and America is a holy grail worth killing and dying for. We hate ourselves because we are not white, the engineer, and we will even shoot ourselves in the name of America, Kim. Why would you want to be with a Vietnamese man when you can be with a white man? Why would you want to be Vietnamese when you can be American instead? Um, And then I'm going to skip a little bit later here. Asian women like... um, Uh, And here Deep is talking about her mom. Asian women like her are rarely presented in American culture as people who are resilient, resourceful, strong, not victims. Instead, in Miss Saigon, Kim, a woman with no last name, sings about her longing for a man to save her. She says nothing when she is abused by the men around her but suffers silently, beautifully. And when living in America isn't an option, she kills herself for her being dead is... Better than being Vietnamese. And the largely white audience has a good cry and feels like they've had an educational experience. And uh, readers, I'm going to take a break uh, because Nikki is doing a little frustrated dance. That's wonderful. Um, One last paragraph, Nikki. Okay. Uh, But just because it's good, I Mm -hmm. promise. But then I want you to talk. Except, what have they learned, really? And this is the, the white audiences that Vietnamese women are victims, Vietnamese men are villains, and Americans are well-meaning buffoons. Perhaps if I were being generous with Miss Saigon, I could read it as a cautionary tale for Asian people. Don't depend on whiteness. It will kill you.
2: <laughs> um,
1: just respond to whatever you want to respond to. Go, you guys. <laughs> um, all of that is why I'm a director. Mm, tell um, me. Because I'm sick of perpetuating the... Those kinds of narratives, and I'm sick of the way that um, popularized theater, particularly in musicals, continues to allow people to walk into a theater, see like some some POC folks do a happy dance and uh, not not allow their characters depth and empathy and then have like like it said in the article, have a good cry and then walk out and go on with their lives. It's not enough for me. And that's why thing uh, shows like in The Heights, sorry, shameless plug, which I'm directing, um, are so so important because they are, they are f- the characters are full, they're fleshed out, they each have their own arcs and they have their own desires and dreams. And the the characters, the ones who have the the POC characters in Miss Igon who do have speaking roles, don't get that. They're not allowed to. They're either killed or cut off or their only way out is to deny themselves of themselves
2: it's so striking that i feel like i understand chris's american wife's perspective more than i understand kim's perspective she
0: had the best song in the show
2: best song in the Mm -hmm. show and she doesn't show up till i don't even know how long in the show but she shows up and she's like here's Here's my song. And it's just Mm -hmm. like incredible. Mm -hmm. And she's
0: also not named like the first three times she's on stage. Um, It's (laughs) just like, oh, like generic white lady. Oh, you you don't deserve a name either. But then she gets the most complex, like emotional layered song. All Kim gets to assert is that she loves over Mm -hmm. and over again. Mm -hmm. I just love. Mm -hmm. Uh. And
1: that her, her life is dependent on Chris coming back for her. Yeah. And um, them continuing their life and their love together.
2: And I don't know a single Asian woman who who would ever uh, who has children and would ever say I can't move on with my life until my husband comes right? back. Every right? Asian woman I know I is like, all right, well I'm working three jobs uh-huh. now, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna let my kid know when they're old enough to hear it that I work three jobs for you, but they're going to get put through some stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, it just makes no sense to me.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And the fact, like, you know, she she gives up so much for her son, which I get. But the fact that she is, like, you know, folded hands waiting for the day that Chris comes back is not something that I see in any, like you said, any of the Asian women that I know.
0: <laughs> so why did these writers feel the need to like make that part of the story. Like, why were they so drawn to that?
1: Because it puts her in a romantic, un, like, ingenue light. It makes her vulnerable and delicate and beautiful and tragic. But why is that beautiful? That's a great question.
2: <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess their answer might just be that they're referring to the opera. But who the people who wrote the opera? I don't. I don't I mean, it. they're not
0: beholden to do what the opera does, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I mean, I, I know you guys like you're not the people I should be asking. this. <laughs> I, I ju- I, I'm i just I just marvel.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, what's so interesting, too, is, you know, again, these stories do exist, I'm sure. But th- the way they portray them, it's, it's not it's not even the most interesting. hmm. Part of the story, like I, I look at, uh, although a different part of the war, I look at, you know, Lauren Yee's um, Cambodian rock band, which is like the greatest play I've seen in like a decade.
0: Oh, I hope someone brings it to the base.
1: I
2: hope so, too. It's going to be at think- OSF.
1: Um, it's going to be at
2: OSF next season. Almost. OK. But the folks in Cambodia who are also really ravaged by the, the Vietnam War and the communists, she portrays these amazingly rounded musicians. And how they were affected by the war, mm-hmm. you know, and how, how their work and their passion and their art was, was taken away by the war and, in this masterful way. And then it looks at how the people affected by the war interact with their contemporary modern day children. In a way that's that hits home so well, not dissimilarly to to Quee's work in Vietgon, which I is I was now just becoming a trilogy. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I had the great fortune of. Um, well, it's funny that I'm here with Nikki. I had the great fortune of seeing uh, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival production of Vietgon during um, the biannual Asian-American theater conference. And it's funny that Nikki's here because I was able to go because I was directing a show and Nikki was my assistant director and she took over rehearsals for a week.
0: Thanks, Nikki.
1: Yeah, um, but I, I saw know, right?
2: that production and and during that scene. So we're there and there's a couple of subscribers, the typical OSF audience there. But like 90 percent of that audience was Asian-American. And, and during and like it was just like this spiritual experience to sit through that. Mm-hmm. With an audience that all had a certain resonance with it and like something that would so rarely happen because when you do these shows, you know, you're going to get a, 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 a on a good day, a, a mostly mixed audience. But for whatever reason, well, well, the conference was the reason, but on this day we were all there and it was just this this immense like release for us to see that. And I do think that whatever feelings that folks might have about the positives of the story of Miss Saigon and the fact that Miss Saigon, the musical exists. I think that there is a point where as we continue to make strides in creating complex and beautiful stories, um, for ourselves that we don't necessarily have to think about the, the shows that have these problems that were created in our past, you know, like, I don't know if I should say this. I'm just going to do it. Um, like crazy rich Asians, I had a great time. Mm -hmm. I had a great time in Crazy Rich Asians. I'm so glad that it did as well as it did in the box office. But I don't think anybody is lying to themselves that that was some great, deep exploration of the Asian-American experience. None of us think Mm -mm.
1: that. Mm But that's also not what it's for. It's not what it's for,
2: and I'm glad it exists. But Mm -hmm. I do hope that something like Crazy Rich Asians opens up doors for us to then do these greater and deeper explorations mm-hmm. i hope crazy rich asians sh- uh, proving that there's an audience for these things allows lauren Yee to write her screenplay i'm not assuming that she has one <laughs> if she hears this and she's like what is he talking about <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> hi lauren um or or Cui to write his his piece you know what i mean i mm-hmm. hope it opens up those doors because every culture deserves a wide array of, of stories I think mm-hmm. that for a lot of communities underrepresented communities whenever a movie or a piece of theater or a musician comes out they have this weight of of needing to be everything because yep. they don't because they're the only one I was I was listening to this interview with Chris Rock when the movie Top 5 came out and he was and, and the movie Top 5 to Chris Rock was a lot about um, being an African American celebrity and he was talking about the pressure of You know, when a Denzel Washington movie comes out, the entire African-American community wants so badly for it to be good and for it to do well, because they might not get another one for a few months, which which, you know, since top five has come out, that might be a little different. But that's what he said. And he goes, you know, if a Matthew McConaughey movie doesn't do well, you just shrug it off because next week there's going to be another movie with. The, another equivalent of Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. coming out.
0: White Southern masculinity is going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm, even fine. if mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey has an off film.
2: Yeah, you know, it's still going to be okay. And so my my deep deep hope is that eventually we all sort of get that benefit of of shrugging off a bad yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: we're not there yet.
0: Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Does Miss Saigon have any virtues? It. It's meant a a lot to Asian American artists and nobody wants to discount that. And um, it sounds like for your parents' generation, it meant a lot as the first slash only story of its kind. Does it have other virtues?
2: You know, I think this kind of gets to the question of whether or not we should continue to do the show or continue to watch the show. Mm -hmm. And, And I guess my answer is I don't have an answer to what the other virtues. Cause I think that for anybody doing any show, especially older shows that might have problems or holes, um, like Miss Saigon, I think that I, I would never say never do a show, but you have to be so aware of the, the context, both historically, um, contemporarily and culturally to what you're doing and and you have to, the fact of the matter is, you have to have an approach as to why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You have to have, as a director or as a producer or as a designer, you, you have to, with many pieces, be prepared to answer the why yeah. of it. And for Miss Saigon, I don't have an answer why, which is why I, I don't see myself ever directing it. But I can't say there's not some other smarter director out there that has some approach to to bring out a brand new perspective in this piece that we don't see. I don't know if this is a great example, but I look at um, the write-ups I'm reading of the current New York production of Company.
0: Yep. Or is I, it in London now? Oh, maybe you're oh, right. Yeah, it's in London. London. You're right. It's and, in London. But it, oh, gender parity yeah. might move to New York. Might move.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and I I personally really enjoy Company, but also cringe at a little bit of the the things presented in it because of the period in which it was written. And from what I read, so much of the problems with the musical, con- presenting the musical in a contemporary setting, is sort of alleviated or put in a new light with a female Bobby. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't have any ideas, but I'm I'm curious to know if there's anybody who has an idea of of what happens with Miss Saigon. Like, what are the other versions of Miss Saigon out there that can bring out the virtues but if nobody can think of any then maybe we put it to rest
1: yeah i i definitely agree unless they're unless you you are willing to identify the problematic points in terms of the character arcs and the way people historically have been represented in this piece and are willing to at least try to turn those things on its head i think it should we should like close the book on Miss Saigon. For me, particularly when Miss Saigon as a big musical usually usually gets produced on a big big budget, uh, depending on where it is, you know they have the resources to go into the communities that this is whose story this is telling, um, talking to sex workers, talking with, to Vietnam veterans with PTSD about their experiences, and being able to. Bring that to the storytelling beyond the, the the flash and the spectacle and the the music.
0: What about the people who just love the music of Miss Saigon? Who think it's who think the melodies are are lovely?
1: Then do it as a concert. How and how is that different and less harmful? I, I feel like a lot of the action and Big Spectacle is where the opportunities for a harmful portrayal of Asian American folks is where that lies. Because if you, if you hone in on the stories, if you listen to the album, then you get to hear the internal monologues of these characters and understand that they are in emotional turmoil and take that as, like, uh, uh, for the music. You can add whatever context you want to it. I'm also a very visual person, and I'm also a choreographer. When I see, or when I saw Miss Saigon and the way that the male characters interact with the female characters, particularly all the men in Kim's life who emotionally, verbally, and physically abuse her throughout the play. It doesn't do anything for her character arc other than keep hitting the audience over the head that she is a victim and she has no agency. Um, You don't hear that in her music. You hear the the depth of her emotions and her desires and I'm not saying that's not also problematic, but it's less harmful.
2: I also look at it sort of with my arts administrator hat on the dollars that we do have to create theater. Perhaps we should look at investing those dollars in newer, Mm -hmm. more complex, more nuanced stories than that one.
0: That is um, kind of where I was hoping to end our our conversation today. You know, it sounds like... To different degrees, you guys wouldn't be involved in a Miss Saigon production yourselves. Nikki, you say maybe we should like totally close the book. Jeffrey, you say well maybe there's like some way uh, to reimagine like some something. <laughs> yeah, maybe? I don't
2: have the idea, but I'm no neither I'm, do I. I'm not. I'm just not put closing the book on the possibility.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, nobody wants to deny artists their imagination. But it's it's almost like this story of the Asian female victim. That's like the only story we'd heard for so long. Mm-hmm. And wh- if you're gonna invest limited resources, like why spend it on that? Like, why not start afresh and tell a story we haven't heard yet? Mm-hmm. You know, in a world where Miss Saigon exists, how do you think we should go forward given that this is... Like part of our narrative
2: It is just Acknowledging that it's there And that it opened a lot of doors For certain artists and, mm-hmm. and to respect Not necessarily respect the piece You don't have to But you can respect the actions That came from that piece In terms of um, You know so many folks we know Past Leia. Like we keep talking about Leia mm-hmm. But so many folks on those tours on those Broadway productions, that's that's how so many of our peers got their their union status or their first you know gig where they were making a living wage, mm-hmm. um, and and acknowledging that. But also, uh, the reason I do theater is because I believe that that sharing stories is the way that we're gonna the the strongest tool we have to garnering understanding mm-hmm. amongst one another. And I think that the more that we continue to fight to tell our stories in with the proper amount of depth and the proper amount of complexity and the, the proper amount of heart, mm-hmm. um, the, the better it's going to be for us. Now I, here's a, here's a funny, here's a funny thought. Um, Miss Igon sort of is like every, every director, regardless of their cultural background or anything, You say, earlier in your career, you're going to say yes to a lot of things that you you don't want to do. Everyone has a couple of productions, especially very early in their career, where they're like, well, that's the one theater that asked me to do something. Or you're assistant directing this production of a show that you're not passionate about at all because the director was a big deal or something. In some ways, I think Miss Saigon can be that show where a lot of us, you know, cut our teeth, learned about what it was like to be in a in a large scale musical, learned what it was like to tour um, and be a touring performer. But that doesn't mean that that's where it has to end. Mm -hmm.
1: I think that's kind of where i wanted to come into this conversation with separating the 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 history and what it m- has meant to artists involved from the responsibility of administrators um in yeah. in terms of like how how they approach the why of producing this work
0: one parting question so let's say there's a listener who who's out there who's like I still don't think Miss Saigon is racist. I still love the show. I'm not convinced. Any parting thoughts for that that listener?
2: That's fine. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I. I think. I. I... <laughs> oh boy.
1: Yeah. No. Me too.
2: I guess, I guess I would say if if they still don't have a problem with it, I mean, I, I guess I'm not even trying to convince anyone to have yeah. a problem with yeah, the yeah. musical. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say that I would encourage them to uh, continue to dig deeper into the subject matter of the show and, and the genre of musical theater and continue to find things that'll, that'll speak to them because... Regardless of whether or not they're offended or by Miss Saigon or think there's any problems with it, which I'm not going to convince anyone otherwise, I, I'm I will convince I will try to convince people that they can find better, more well-rounded and and therefore more beautiful pieces of theater out there for the Vietnamese Vietnamese American community and just any community in general. Like there's more out there, and I think you can find it.
1: Mm-hmm. Seconded. The scope of Amer- American musical theater, but also musical theater in its entirety is so vast and so much more than just this show. You can hold it dear, let it go and go listen and watch other things. It's not doing that. I'm thinking that that person in particular, not doing them any harm by seeking out um, other opportunities to learn About a specific people and experience a story in a musical theater format.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. And Jeffrey, Um, I really appreciate your words and for being willing to dive into this complicated show with me. Um, Thanks for being here at The Chronicle.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is by Stephen Boyle. This show is produced by me. For more theater coverage, you can follow me on Twitter, at Lily Janik. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.